Welcome back to the Snakes Cast, everyone. I'm Jonathan. I'm Emily. And this week we're talking about Imhotep. Not the mummy, the board game. Well, the mummy's kind of involved, right? It's Monday, and today we're going to be talking about Imhotep the board game. It came out in 2016. It was a runner-up for the Spiel des Jahres. Uh, it has nothing to do with mummies. Like, literally nothing. He totally did go on to do the mummy stuff after he built Egypt and the pyramids and all this awesome stuff, which you totally get to do in this game. But there are no mummies in here. Well, not yet. It's like a, pre, it's a mummy prequel, basically. <laughs> no, it's not a really mummy prequel at all. Uh, even so, uh, Imhotep is... Well, we know so little about Egypt, really. We know their monuments, but relatively little of the uh, of this culture remains to give a sense of what everyday life was like, except in a fairly broad sense. As a result, our, our view of Egyptian culture, the ancient Egyptian culture, tends to be very broad, very archetypal. Mm-hmm. Our understanding of the Egyptian gods, for example, we have these very, very broad, uh, very archetypal figures that make them really appealing in a lot of ways, because we can sort of read whatever we want into them. The Greek gods, by contrast, are very, very human. Yeah, very human. And uh, whereas the you know people, characters like Set and Bastet and Osiris and Horus and Ra. Isis mm-hmm. and Ra, these are so these are these feel very, very distant. And, uh, and and very cold in some ways. And the, the, the massive size of, of ancient Egyptian monuments similarly gives us a kind of very broad view of these things. And so, as a result, it's a pretty popular theme to make board games about because you can do so much with them. Mm-hmm. And really beyond the broad strokes of ancient Egypt, Egyptian mythology, people don't know very much about it. Mm-hmm. And it's not something that people are going to be necessarily sort of crying like, the historical accuracy of this board game is wrong, you didn't fact check anything, because there's like so much room to kind of like wiggle around. Yeah, modern Egyptian culture is so much different. So different, yeah. Um, so anyway, in Imhotep, we're dealing with this is this is basically the archetypal cafe game. Mm-hmm. You know, this is something that we can teach you very quickly that you can play in about 30 40 minutes and offers a really good first play experience. Yeah, it doesn't have a ton of bits, it doesn't have a huge board, nothing looks confusing. And you have a fairly clear sense of what you're trying to do. You are putting blocks together to build awesome stuff and oh my goodness the blocks you want to talk about initial appeal for this game the blocks are so much bigger than you anticipate them to be (laughs) if you see them in pictures they look just like regular sort of like cubes like pandemic sized cubes or expect them to be like a you know a third of an inch on a side no they're giant well not giant they're bigger than sugar cubes and it kind of like catches you off guard because there isn't really anything if you see photos of it there isn't really anything for scale and then Mm -hmm. you crack open this box and you have these like really satisfying stacks of sugar cubes that you can stack and play around with and toss around and the fact that right away you pick a color it's like okay these gray blocks those are mine and look at this great big stack of gray blocks and I'm going to build so much stuff with them and it's going to be awesome. Because you are literally building stuff with it. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the the tagline of the game is, you know, Imhotep, builder of Egypt. Yep. Because um, Imhotep, before he was a mummy, was uh, considered to be the first and most famous master builder of ancient Egypt uh, and one of the earliest polymath, a polymath being just a very learned person, mm-hmm. somebody that really liked to learn stuff. Um, so he, you know, his legacy is all of this stuff built in Egypt, you know, like obelisks, pyramids, temples, all that sort of stuff. So you are playing as, maybe not Imhotep, but maybe Imhotep's minions. I don't know if that's the right word to use, but you're building stuff literally 
with your cubes. And it feels good just stacking these things up. You know, even when I teach this game, I find even before I start playing, people have already grabbed a little handful of these things, and, they, and they've already started stacking them up and to make little pyramids before mm-hmm. they've even learned the rules. And yet, that is actually going to be a part of what they'll Yeah, and we were talking about this earlier. I don't think this game would have been nearly as successful if the cubes were any smaller. Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. There's something so much... Like, even, like... It's the small things, right? Like, making your cubes twice the size increases the appeal so much. Like, it's almost incomprehensible. And having these little boats that you fit them onto, and each of these little boats has little squares on them that are just large enough to fit one of these cubes. And then the boats themselves are moved over to the board where you've got the temples and the pyramids and so on. Each of those has little squares on them just large enough to fit one of these cubes. And it's so satisfying to take things and put them in the spot where they go. It's very visceral. There's a visceral tactile sort of feel to this. Look, we're doing this thing. We're building these things. We're stacking these things up. And all of that is wrapped up in a package where the game design, the actual choices that you make, are actually pretty simple. On your turn, you've basically just got three choices. Option number one, grab three cubes from the quarry, that's the big pile in the middle of the table, and put them on your little sledge. Your sledge is a little piece of cardboard that has room for five cubes, and they're nicely laid out so you can see exactly how many of them can fit. Option two, take one of these cubes and put them on one of the boats that's off the side. There's always four boats there, and each of those boats has room for one, two, three, or four cubes on them, and you can see very clearly how much space is left. Number three, take one of these boats and sail them over onto the board. And there's five spaces on the board, each of which has room for one boat. When you sail them in, you unload the cubes, and whoever's colored cubes got unloaded there, they get cool stuff. That's it. They build stuff, and they get cool stuff. The building stuff is key, I think. It is. One thing that I didn't... like. So I played this with two players for the first time and it was great I had a great time but I feel that with two players your ability to like literally build is smaller there's just not enough people there's not enough cubes I wanted to build giant stacks of (laughs) stuff but like I don't think we got a pyramid higher than like two layers it made me sad this is probably better saved for Wednesday or or Friday but Trust me, folks, Imhotep does a really good job of scaling itself well between two, three, and four players. Usually when a box says two to four, two to five on it, that's a lie. And the two-player version is usually terrible. Uh, In Imhotep, it's different for sure. But it's quite cleverly done so as to make it so that it scales really well between all those different numbers of players. And what I found most interesting about the way that it's scaled is there's actually very little that actually changes on the board, Mm -hmm. depending on the number of players. There's like one tile where you get like one less space. Mm -hmm. And then the temple, you get one less space to build your temple in. And then the obelisks are the only thing where like scoring changes at all. Everything else is exactly the same whether you're playing of two, three, or four. But it's just like the way that you play the game changes so much. It really does. And it's, that's so interesting to me. I find that normally games need to work pretty hard to kind of like translate the experience from two players to like more mm-hmm. by adjusting a whole bunch of stuff. And the game just changes so much just by its nature. Like there's nothing, there's no separate rules, nothing changes at all, but your brain, basically. Like exactly. the way that the you're, choices the choices you, you make. make. And there are actually two sides to each piece of this board nice. with slightly different effects basically they're just similar enough that it kind of like is in the spirit of the temple or the burial chamber or the obelisk or the pyramids or whatever but different enough that it changes strategy and you can kind of customize your game a little bit depending on what sort of a game you want if you want something that's going to be really swingy that's going to be back and forth you can go with that or if you want something that's more iterative where it's about who can establish a lead and keep it Mm -hmm. we also found that it looked like there were certain sides that 
would worked better for two players than others. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily consistently like side A or side B was better or worse for two, but there were specific sides that I find would have worked better and some sides that I made no difference. Yeah, we'll get into more detail on those later. The interesting thing, though, is that when you're sailing one of these boats into one of these places, usually what you want to do is take a boat that's got a bunch of your cubes on it and put it someplace where you want it to be. That's not necessarily what you have to do, though. Sometimes what you'll do is you'll take a boat that's full of other players' stuff and put it someplace where they don't particularly care for it to be. I mean, all five of the places where you can send these boats, you know, the market, the pyramids, the temple, burial chamber, obelisk, all of them, they're all good for different reasons but not equally good at different times. What I find interesting, too, about the boats, and the first time I played it, this is something that was definitely told to me that I just forgot about until about, like, turn five, and that I (laughs) am convinced lost me the game, is that you can actually put your cube on the boat in whatever order you want. And this is important because once you kind of, like, launch a ship and tuck it in wherever it is that you want to tuck it in, you perform actions based on your order in the boat. So front of the boat goes first, and then so on and so forth. And there are a lot of places on the board where strategically it might be worth your while to be second or third in line instead of way at the front. Mm -hmm. Because this game's got a really interesting sort of like spatial element. You know, there's some stuff that you want to build in certain patterns or some stuff where, like, you want to build in a certain way because, like, it's not worth as many points first as it is second. And I find it very interesting that you can kind of, like, control where on the boat you want to be. It has a lot of, like, forethought to, like, what you want to do. You're not just, like, hoping you get to the place where you want to be. You're hoping to get to the place you want to be in this particular order. Exactly. I was so mad when I realized I'd forgotten that. (laughs) So you don't, bad. You don't always want your cubes to be unloaded first, so you don't necessarily want them to be at the front of the boat. Mm-hmm. So not only do you get to choose which boat to put these cubes on, but also which part of the boat. So that's your introduction to Imhotep. We're going to go into more detail on Wednesday's episode, as always, on Intermediate Wednesday. Till then, I'm Jonathan. I'm Emily. And we'll see you in a couple of days. Bye. Bye.